0: Hey guys, welcome to Star Wars Year by Podcast. Normally Patreon exclusive, but as this is episode twelve divisible by three, it is for all to enjoy on the Blue Harvest and Steel Wars all the feeds. If you're feeding, you're eating. But let us introduce our co host from Blue Harvest. Borsberger.
1: hey everybody uh daylight saving time sucks
0: oh you've been hit hard by the daylight I- savings i have
1: i normally stay up real late on saturday night so i know
0: <clears throat> yeah i've got so. the text to prove it
1: <laughs> so what normally would have been me going to bed at like four or four thirty in the morning turned out to me be me going to bed at six thirty in the morning without really even realizing
0: well even harder steel horse you are going back one hour and 41 years (laughs) to 1979 um and this is as i mentioned a uh a all-access episode. And the story thus far is that Horsberg and I have the Star Wars year-by-year year visual history update and expanded edition book. And each episode, we uh, cover an amount of time and go through the interesting news items of the year and then go on many tangents. All around the Star Wars galaxy, and it's super fun. And today, we are up to the halfway point, July of 1979. In the uh, we are under a year to the release of Star Wars Episode 5 The Empire Strikes Back,
1: which, spoiler alert, turns out to be pretty good.
0: Pretty, pretty good. Hey, um, before we get going, whores. I know you listen to it. Just a bit of sizzle for other things oh. going on the uh, the Steel Wars Patreon, and, and we don't want to we don't want to give away anything. Um, but that Robo report, uh, buddy. So,
1: you know, we got some hints through like Instagram or not Instagram, Twitter uh, chats that maybe some shenanigans had gone down when Robo went to visit Galaxy's Edge. So when it popped up on my feed, it came up um, Friday evening. I was, I was home. I had just finished work and publishing the newest episode of Blue Harvest. And I was like, well, I, I, I got to start this. So I started listening to it and then finished it on Saturday. These are normally things I save for the work week. You know what I mean? But I had to listen to this one and it was well worth it. It's my favorite Robo report
0: so far. Robo heads off with his family to uh, Disney Hollywood Studios in beautiful Florida um, and attempts to go to Galaxy's Edge and adventures
1: ensue. It, um, it could be turned into a National Lampoon's Vacation movie with just some slight modifications.
0: I was thinking, um, was it Jingle All The Way? Is that, which was the one with Jake Lloyd and Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Jingle all the way part two. Oh, nice. Um Robbo will have to work out a little bit though to uh, <laughs> <laughs> to play the role of Arnold Schwarzenegger father. But uh yeah, if you um if you're a new Patreon or uh, maybe you don't normally check out the Robbo report, you you have to. This is it's an epic. It's um it's 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 like listening to a movie. And I gotta say people have been like just an unusual amount of feedback for this. Uh you guys might have to do uh like a, a
1: follow up episode just to address the feedback. We might um, actually. Uh I gotta say, Robbo knows how to tell a damn story too. <laughs> Like, I don't know if he sat down before, because this seems kind of like the thing Robbo would do, where he was like, I got a really good story. I have to, like, map it out. I got to do an outline and figure exactly how to tell this, because he does an excellent job of it. And the noises you make during some of that story. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was like, I felt like I was sitting there listening to the story, because it's the same thing I would be doing. <laughs>
0: Hey, I make noises for the people whores. We know. The, uh, the theater of the mind. So uh, make sure you check that out. It is a two and a half hour adventure. It was, I, I like, like when Jackie was already in bed and I got in and I'm like, oh my God, this story Robo just told me. <laughs> it's blinding. Tremendous I- stuff. I just like that
1: um, between hearing that and hearing what Jackie's reaction was to Will going to Walmart. Sounds like you guys have a very similar, one of you listens to the pod, a podcast and the other one's like, wait, what's going on? Situation to Jesse and I.
0: Yeah, well, on the, on the latest Blue Harvest, Will goes to um, Walmart with, he, he, he's not having a good time. No, he is not. And the normally happy go lucky, placid Will Wheaton erupted with those Sith eyes. It was it's confronting. 242
1: episodes in, we finally saw Will's dark side. I can't remember an episode before this where he got that angry.
0: And yeah, so I had it just playing on the iPhone, no headphones. In the kitchen, and um, because as you know, for me, Blue Harvest means clean, <coughs> clean in that kitchen. That's that's the theme music. And Will is just swearing up a storm. Jackie walks in and goes, oh, what's wrong with this dude? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, he went to Walmart. And she's like, oh, okay. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> checks out. Perfect. And I'm like, "Oh, it's the guy that gave us tips on how to cook a Thanksgiving turkey." And she's like, "Oh. Why are they mean to him?" She was um so we so we're all putting out emotionally gripping content this week, cuz. Yeah,
1: and and you know what's funny? Both of us just had to sit back and listen.
0: Yes. I was um <laughs> that's, that's yeah, that that is often Robo's mantra hmm Just get comfy, Steele. Even if it's mid my sentence. <laughs> <laughs> but I did, it was funny that um, I, I record this, how this records, it records me on one track and you on a different track. So I've got two audio files and then I put them together. Call Recorder Guys for Skype. It's, it's a really good little uh, podcasting tool. Set you back about $29, I think. Um, and when I put it in the um, the audition thing, and you can see the two sound waves on top of each other, my sound waves were remarkably not doing that much.
1: <laughs> I know this feeling so much.
0: <laughs> uh, but let's hit... Um, 1979, when we uh, last left you in June, we had uh, Hand Solo's Revenge get released. of uh, the Hut is back in his green-whiskered form in the Marvel comics. And uh, Moonraker was released. But um, if you haven't listened to that, again, if you're going to become a new patron, you, I feel like we really... Uh, things heated up in that episode once we got that... Uh, Rocket-firing Boba Fett and, and Blue Snaggletooth, the Cantina Adventure set.
1: Uh, Monkey Yoda. We can't forget Monkey Yoda. Oh, my
0: stars. Monkey Yoda. Excellent stuff. Excellent stuff. Now, um, what do we got in July? Uh, this is, uh, sometimes in the book, they give us uh, some kind of somehow related uh, information about what's going on in the world. Sometimes it's just news, but I always think if it's related to space, it, it's Star Wars. Um, interestingly enough, Horse,
1: Mm-hmm.
0: in our primary school, early years, first couple of years, I remember our teacher would have themed um, months. Oh no, it was the whole, what do they call those things? Not seasons? Semester. Semester. <laughs> Hey, this daylight savings is hitting us all. Yeah, it is. So, um, there's a, we should have sometimes themed semesters. And, uh, I, all, I, I think it was space theme every time because I would demand it. Because space themed meant Star Wars themed. Yeah. So, uh, that's why, like, stuff like this, you'd, you'd hear about the space shuttle. I don't know if I've ever mentioned this on the podcast before. I, um, and I'm so looking forward to this sort of stuff from my little boy Harrison. When I was very young, I uh, asked my mum. It was in the newspaper. The, um, the shuttle, the space shuttle, it was going up to space where it belongs. And I said to my mum, "Why doesn't the space shuttle like have lasers?" <laughs> I can't see where it could have any lasers. And my mom, very quick thinking, says they're on a peaceful mission.
1: That's a good mom. That's a fast thinker.
0: But I was just like, yeah, I don't know
1: if that's a good idea. (laughs) Because maybe that's your intention as a peaceful mission. But what if
0: things go south? I don't know if you've heard about these stars. But quite often they have wars up in them. Yeah. So I was, I, 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 I think I just left the kitchen, back to the lounge room, grumbling about how this was a very irresponsible move on the behalf of NASA. <laughs> Not even one photon torpedo, whores. <laughs> yeah,
1: those astronauts are going to be in some big trouble.
0: How rad would alternate Earth be? If we were ma- more paranoid about an alien attack, and the space shuttle was decked out,
2: <laughs> that would be.
1: But yeah, I mean, what are you going to put on them though? Like in this alternate Earth, do we actually have like laser? Guns Will they be and-
0: investing instead of like? Uh, oh, I see. You know, working on the like the toothpaste, like bit of steak that you can eat, right? Or the the astronaut ice cream? Exactly, and these astronauts. They're on a mission, right? I always see this footage of them up in space, like floating water, like having a great, having water fights in space. Right. Get back to work. (laughs) We need some lasers.
1: (sighs) Have you ever had astronaut food? No. Okay, so about an hour or an hour and a half from where I live now is a town called Huntsville, Alabama, right? And they have a space and rocket center there where you can go and see you know some rockets they have a space shuttle out front it's got a whole museum you can uh see you know some spacesuits. they have a couple of space monkeys there or at least they did when i was a kid
0: what do you mean space monkeys
1: like monkeys that were sent into space they have the
0: actual monkey
1: Uh, i so when i went i was in maybe third grade so I don't recall if it was like an actual monkey that was sent into space or it was some monkeys that they were like, this is the kind of monkey we would have sent into space. Wait, dead or alive? Alive. Hanging out in a little exhibit.
0: Okay. Um, so they had like a stuffed
1: monkey. No, no. And they had some like little interactive exhibits where you could like do a space oh, walk. You're killing me, horse?
0: I thought you were going um, to say they had some interactive
1: monkeys. Oh, I, dude, I'd be there right now. You'd be like, hey, you want to record a year-by podcast? I'd be like, sorry, buddy, I'm hanging out with some monkeys. In, in the Space background,
0: no, in the, I, I know I'm busy today with a family thing. And in the background, I <laughs> <of here, "Rah!" laughs>
1: So they have a cafeteria there, and, and my parents took my sister and I there. Like I said, when I was in like third grade, um, on a little like mini family vacation, and in the cafeteria, it, you can get your normal type cafeteria food, or you can get the astronaut's lunch, where it's nothing but astronaut food. And that's what I got as a kid. And I remember being thoroughly unimpressed.
0: <laughs> maybe space isn't for me. Yeah, maybe not. I, um, what was that place called? Uh, I think it's called the Huntsville Space and
1: Rocket Center gotcha
0: is there it's sort of like their slogan come for the space, stay for the rocket <laughs>
1: Huntsville Space
0: yeah Huntsville Space and
1: Rocket Center uh, a few years back, you know I don't re- know if you remember when it was before Disney bought Star Wars they were doing this like star, touring Star Wars science exhibit where they would
0: it, it came would, to Australia.
1: Yeah, The Science of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. It was in Huntsville for a little while, and I never got to go. But at one point, Jesse and I, this was very early on in, our, uh, in us uh, dating, looked at VIP tickets for opening night because Billy D. Williams was going to be there, and you could go to dinner with Billy D. Williams. That does not work out well normally. <clears throat> I don't believe it does, especially if they're, they're uh, serving astronaut food.
0: <laughs> you don't even get to eat it. Yeah. And what happened?
1: We didn't. I just remember looking. We didn't go. Ah. But I remember one of the big.
0: That was the shortest Robo Report ever.
1: I remember one of the big like uh, drawing points that I really wanted to go was they had like um, a thing where you could ride the Millennium Falcon. Probably some sort of like simulator ride or something. I never got to check it out, but I just remember being like, man, that would be cool to ride the Millennium Falcon. And now it's a much more obtainable goal. I just got to make my way to Galaxy's Edge sometime. You'll get there, buddy.
0: But let's get to July with Skylab's return. July 11th, Skylab re enters Earth's atmosphere after six years in orbit. NASA has intended to use a space shuttle to boost Skylab into a high orbit. Skylab plunges to Earth, scattering debris across the southern Indian Ocean and western Australia. Which, I would have been far too young to experience the the thrill and excitement of the return of Skylab. Mm. But I do know, is if this happened in the mid-80s, and I heard this news report, even though it's the other side of my country, I would have been thrilled for about three days that space debris was hitting Australia. Uh, that's what I was wondering. Like, do you think
1: people went out and tried to like salvage space debris, Ray style?
0: Yes, Definitely.
1: There's uh, several Western Australian families that just have a chunk of Space Lab or Skylab sitting on their mantle. Like, that's when space came to Earth.
0: Yeah, well, right now there's a problem in Australia with people going out trying to get toilet paper for some reason. <laughs> Buddy, <laughs> it, I know. So uh, I think the the race would have been on for a bit of debris
1: as well. <laughs> Man, that started to hit down here where... um. So, you know, I, I work out in the public a few days a week, right? And I'm a little paranoid about getting the coronavirus. So I, I thought to myself, you know what I'll do? I'll just hop online. I'll get some hand sanitizer and some wipes, you know, to like wipe down keyboards at these places I go to work. Mm-hmm. Sold out. Every Walmart online, Target online, Amazon online. Nobody has them. Uh, it's, back to cl-
0: it's back to cleaning them with your tongue. <laughs>
1: yep, yep. <laughs> It is the most efficient. It's the body's wet wipe is what I like to say. Um, And then so Jesse went out to do some shopping the other day and I was like, hey, it's probably nothing to be too worried about. But I hear like there's a run on toilet paper. So if you see some, maybe grab us a little extra. Like, don't go crazy. Just get us an extra pack. You know, we don't want to be without it. Right. And she calls me 20 minutes later and she's like, it looks like the end of the world in here. There is no toilet paper to be seen, hand sanitizer, soap. Everything's gone. People are fighting and arguing like it's madness. And it hasn't even hit Alabama yet.
0: Well, if things get really dire, we have gone through the first 80 pages of the Star Wars (sighs) year by year book. Man, it
1: it would kill me to defile a piece of Star Wars literature, a Star Wars collectible. Uh but the thing's gotta be done. Maybe I'll go get my old glove of Darth Vader books and go through those first
0: you're gonna you're gonna clean yourself up with the glove of Darth Vader, yeah, yeah <laughs> okay yeah. hey, um, in August Has Star Wars returned. Do you wanna run us through that one?
1: Second re-release for Star Wars, August 15th. Star Wars is re-released for the second time and includes a live-action trailer for The Empire Strikes Back. Narrated by Harrison Ford, the trailer includes a brief glimpse of C-3PO ripping a warning sign from a door. This is part of a sequence involving caged wampas that is ultimately cut from the film.
0: Now, I somehow never knew this. Like, I've watched this trailer before. Maybe I knew it and I've forgotten it. Right. That it was narrated by Harrison Ford.
1: Now, that part I did not remember, even just now
0: reading it. Because my memory of it is of just a very enthusiastic man doing voiceover. (laughs) And that's Harrison. That's not normally words you equate with Harrison Ford. It is not. Man, yes. Oh, jeez. Stand back, enthusiasm. He um, he's way ahead of the curve when it comes to Larry David. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I would. Uh, I bet you if you you uh,
1: got some footage of a real sick like prototype airplane and showed it to Harrison Ford, like you were the first one to show him, he'd probably be like,
0: mm, uh, "That's pretty cool." Yeah, I don't know where am I going to get that from though. <laughs> that's- Oh no! Now, um, Haws, what I've done in advance because this narration we, we sort of we need it in the podcast. Right. I've queued it up on YouTube, and I've shared my screen with you. I'm not sure if that's can you? I, s- I can see it. Okay, so I will play this now, um, and we, we can sort of maybe we can do a live reaction. Okay, but uh, I, I I just feel like we need to hear. The enthusiasm the rare enthusiasm caught in the wild of Harrison Ford this should play any second thank you to the Steve Jobs that has 10 oh. subscribers
2: Luke Skywalker and Han Solo rescued the princess <laughs> destroyed the Death Star but their
1: story didn't end there that's Harrison Ford <laughs>
2: Now the creators of the biggest smash hit of all time bring you the next episode in the Star <laughs> Wars
0: saga The Empire Strikes Back I don't want to insinuate drug use
1: uh, But buddy I think it's the most logical conclusion we've been come to The
2: continuing story of our band of heroes Luke Skywalker The continuing story Han Solo, C-3PO, oh my R2D2, and Chewbacca, and introducing Lando Calrissian. Hell yeah! It's an epic of romance. Oh, oh! dude,
1: they went. They really slowed down that Luke and Leia. Kiss. Oh, Did you see that?
2: Villains.
1: It's an alternate take. Yeah, it definitely is, and it's much like slower and like thought
2: out. Like whoops. They cross trackless voids to unknown worlds.
1: Oh, yeah. Bit of in there.
2: A galactic odyssey against oppression.
0: This music, man.
2: <laughs>
0: so good.
2: big, new, sprawling space adventure in the Star Wars saga, The Empire wow. Strikes Back. What is that the, is that the Death Star exploding so at the end? Coming to your galaxy next
0: summer. Coming to your galaxy next summer. Hawes. Yes, sir. Could you imagine <laughs> if video footage of this audio recording was available it's not i I have to i would have to see it just to see that come out of his mouth and what his eyes were doing at that time
1: Uh, was was this a, a, a time when he was thinking like oh maybe if the if this whole acting thing doesn't work out i'll get into voice
0: work I don't think so. Yeah, I don't. I um, don't get it. Now, um, I love when it said he goes about fighting oppression, mm-hmm. and then the clip for that was the deleted scene of C three PO ripping off the warning sign, right in in Echo Base, because there's all there's this there was this alternate little subplot that there was Wampers attacking the base and the Rebellion had trapped some wampers in some storage place in, right. in Hoth, and then they put this yellow warning sticker with some sort of Arabesh logoing or something like that. And if you've ever played, and yes... Yes, I was going to bring it up. Early on in the podcast, we bring it in. This is your time to shine. If you've ever played The Shadows of the Empire, video game starring... Video games, their own, dash render. Then you would have experienced uh, this plot. They they work that in. But it shows C-3PO, when when the Empire attacks, strikes back, if you will. C-3PO is running down the hallway and he rips off the warning sign very like cannily. Mm-hmm. So then the stormtroopers will go in there and get attacked by the Wampus thus helping the rebels escape. But it shows, as he says, fight suppression or whatever. C-3PO oh. rips off the sign, so it looks like C-3PO's like, we're not going to take it. <laughs> so uh, how how rad
1: was that? It's so good. So I thought I had seen that trailer, and watching it with you just now, I realized I haven't. I've definitely never seen that version of the Empire Strikes Back trailer.
0: What, thinking back at everything you saw in that trailer, mm-hmm. what stands out? Ah. Uh, so they do show a good, it's, it's interesting when you
1: look at it, knowing the the actual movie, like, it's a very different trailer to what we would get today. hmm like, we don't see. Like, did we see a single Adat in there? I don't believe we did. This is where I'm going, whores. Okay. No Adats. No Adats, no Yoda? No Yoda. Which I think that was. The Yoda part was definitely on purpose.
0: Oh, no. The Adats was on purpose as well. Yeah. Um, I've watched it twice. Because I watched it the first time before I got on with you. And just then. I really want to see this film, the empire strikes back horse, this trailer yeah. <laughs> is bloody working.
1: <laughs> so, it, it, you know, if you think about what that trailer, like what the trailer for the empire strikes back would be today, you'd absolutely see an ad app. You would definitely see some lightsaber action, probably like, you know, Luke versus Vader, either in the cave or at cloud city.
0: No, um, you'd have, it would all be about, if, it, if it's a J.J. J. Abrams one, right. it would be all about the cave. Oh, yeah. Like the Lots thing that's not the thing. Mm-hmm. That's like when they kept advertising that Dark Ray in the TV spots, I was just like, we know this isn't part of the film. <laughs> like, Yeah. Like, I, I, you know, I know a lot of people
1: were like, oh, man, Ray's going to go to the dark side. But from the moment, because where'd they show that trailer off? D23 for the first time? with dark ray possibly Uh, and reports started coming out that you know the the trailer ended with ray with a double-bladed lightsaber looking like she'd gone to the dark side immediately my brain goes oh that's like a vision or some sort of misdirection or something she's not there's not enough time to do that in the movie
0: and it's just not happening yeah but um i love looking at this stuff and sort of detaching myself from knowing the film very well and just looking at the images at what would have... Like, what I'd be like, whoa, what is that? And I can tell you, there is a shot, which I'm not even... Yeah, no, it's a shot from the film. FX7 medical droid Mm -hmm. is next to the Bacta tank and puts his little antenna up against the glass and does something to send diaper Luke Skywalker up. And... If I had just seen that being a, even now like cuz I like I'd just be like what what is happening in this scene what is like this is such a like why is he in this water tube and then this spider droid is like plugging something through the glass like ah tantalizing visuals
1: that would be a whole podcast episode
0: oh my god do you think he's do you think he's strong in the force fx7 <laughs> medical droid
1: It's the first droid that's going to be strong in the Force.
0: Force healing. There you go. And
1: then uh, you do see a little clip of Han being lowered into the carbonite freezing chamber as well. Or at least them getting him ready
0: for it. Ah. A remarkable amount of shots in the trailer of Jeremy Bullock, but not as Boba Fett. Right. 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 Yeah, it's interesting because I feel like, you know, you can sort of see, hey, let's use... All this stuff doesn't tell you anything that's happening in the film. And it's mm-hmm. also light on effects. So it's yeah. done.
1: And, well, once again, if that trailer had been... Like, if we move things forward to the modern era and Empire Strikes Back is about to come out in preceding Empire Strikes Back, we got toys of Boba Fett. He made a appearance in an animated show. They would definitely show Boba Fett in the trailer.
0: Yeah, it was Boba Fett. Zuckus was
1: in it, but... Zuckus, but no Boba Fett.
0: Interesting. Very, very cool. So, check that out. I, I, will, um, I will put a link to that in the show notes so you guys can watch it as well. And the part in the uh, trailer where we both groaned or made some weird (laughs) noise. There was this alternate shot of, very close up, of Luke kissing Leia. That is... It's hardcore. You know what it looks like? It
1: looks like uh, Leia just brought Luke back from the dead. And he's very appreciative.
0: (laughs) Gratitude. Gratitude. Oh my God. That is... (laughs) It's it's so funny how attached you are to the characters mm-hmm. and invested in like who they are that like, it's, it's just two actors that it's disgusting.
1: Yeah. And man, imagine being on the internet back in the day when that trailer drops and your, your Han and Leia faction freaks out and your Luke and Leia. Yeah, faction your, are, your Han lays and your, uh, Skylers, Skylers <laughs> start freaking out and celebrating like it—it it would have been madness.
0: <sighs> good times, good times. Um, this isn't also in 1979, but it's it's up front, so we'll we'll, we'll whack this one in now because there's some good alsos. For those new to the podcast, the also in 1979s are the things they can't pin down to a date, but are too good to leave out. It's it's, it's strange that they didn't know what month this happened in. Anyway, uh, moving card. Ralph McQuarrie illustrates Lucasfilm's announcement of its move from several trailers across the street from Universal Studios lot to the Egg Company building, which has been renovated by George and Marsha Lucas. Now, this is is just one of those illustrations, sort of like the Christmas cards and stuff, mm-hmm. that I remember when I was learning all about Star Wars and, and, you know, all the things that Lucasfilm had done in the 90s. I was, I was heavily studying for this podcast horse years before the format. I always found all these cards that they did featuring the characters doing stuff on Earth just... The coolest. Yes. Like, it's just like, I say it all the time, but just such a good use of the license. uh, One of the
1: earlier things I remember coming across on the internet when I was a kid, uh, like when I first got the internet and was looking Star Wars stuff up, was this kind of thing, this card, and all the Lucasfilm holiday cards, Mm -hmm. it just it was one of those things you I never heard of and finally got to see and just I remember pouring over image and after image waiting for each one to load slowly so I could see what the next card was and just having like the best time
0: I don't want to get into images uploading slowly because I feel like once we hit the 90s
2: <laughs>
0: I'll be telling those stories on every episode.
2: Oh,
1: oh yeah, man. Oh, I have a story I have been waiting to tell, and it's about Shadows of the Empire. Oh, the sizzle! And I've been holding it every time it comes up. Every episode, yeah. I'm like, is that? I gotta tell this story, but I know it's not the right time yet because it's got its time and place, and that time and place is several years in the
0: future in the book it's like in i can't remember what movie sort of parodies this but like in a ninja movie or something there's all this fighting going on and then there's just this crazy ninja at the back just waiting for his time he's not doing anything but you know once he starts doing stuff it's over <laughs> i feel like maybe they parried that in the simpsons I feel like that story is that ninja. <laughs> it is. It's, it's waiting. waiting. So um, for those that aren't sickos that are reading along with us on page 80 of the Star Wars Yearby podcast. I have to—I don't know if we've talked about this, but Catherine Neen is, is, is planning on bringing her book like a true sicko to Star Wars Celebration
2: <laughs> so we
0: can do a, a live Yearby podcast. Oh, that would be pretty fun. We should do that. We should get everyone to bring their book. You can't come unless you don't bring your book. Oh, that's a sort of a hassle. <laughs> everyone has to bring a book across the world. You, well,
1: maybe we can try and get a... Who is it? DK? Let's get a hold of DK and see if we can get some, like, loaner copies. So, hey, we've sort of been audio bootlegging your book. <laughs> you think you could do us
0: a real solid expensive favor? <sighs> um. It's, it's, it's like ringing up like Disney going hey I'm trying to make copies of uh, this the last Jedi do you know, where do you get those discs from <laughs> who's your 4k <laughs>
1: blu-ray disc distributor figure we'll cut out the middleman here right
0: come on help us out don't don't attack the fans so um it's got you, you, you're somewhere in in uh, California or in LA in Hollywood. In the background you can see the Hollywood sign. I'm not sure if that's geographically correct. I'm not sure if they're going the right way. I feel like they've gone so it's it's the land speeder and uh C three PO's in it, and then there's a bunch of people. R2 D2s in it, there's Jawas, and then other I think the Gonk Droids in the back, and then behind that is a few Banthers and sand people. And Sand Persons. And um, then you've got the Sand Crawler. And then I believe next to the Sand Crawler is, is that Boba Fett on a motorcycle with Darth Vader in the sidecar? It's oh, very small. It's small.
2: It's hard to. I think it is, though.
0: And uh, Luke and Obi Wan are on foot. They're walking, walking and talking. And, um, yeah, they're sort of walking and in the background you can see the Hollywood sign. And I feel like all this took place, yeah, they're going to North Hollywood. So, this is, this is not canon. That's not how LA is laid out at all. If (laughs) if you're in North Hollywood, you cannot see the Hollywood sign.
1: This should have been their Rose Day parade float a few years back.
0: Tight. Tight. Um... Oh, this is interesting. August twenty eighth, Haws. A rap party is held on the Bog Planet set, even though filming is not yet finished. It was a great party. Irvin Kershner recalls, "It was a great party. It was like Armistice Day. The war is over. We have triumphed." And then there's little, uh, little tickets to get to the uh, Bog Planet of Dagobah, so that they obviously had that name under wraps or something. But Horse, could you imagine being on the bog planet and just just dipping in, crouching in, rolling in to um, Yoda's hut just to grab another beer?
1: Oh, my goodness. That would be so awesome. And you know by this time, because it's kind of a legendary story that that set started to smell bad after a while because the water went stagnant. So like you're... You're on one hand, you're excited. You put in all this hard work to like the sequel to Star Wars, the biggest movie of all time. Excitement's in the air. Uh, Boba Fett, he's going to be a huge deal. And then your rap party is in like basically a, a green pool, like when someone doesn't drain their pool for the winter and they just let the water get all
0: nasty. Good times. The um, they, they should have just started a rumor. That in nineteen eighty, they're adding smell to cinemas, so they had to get the smell right on set. <laughs> um. So yeah, good fun. Hit us with some September action. September
1: fifth, Alec Guinness arrives on set and completes his shots within six hours. <laughs> Having told the producers that wretched eye trouble might prevent him from working under bright lights, his participation in Empire has been uncertain. Guinness will receive one quarter of 1% of Empire's gross receipts.
0: Damn. Gross receipts. Not, yeah. not profit.
1: No, gross receipts, meaning the end of the day, what that movie made... Take a quarter of a percent. That's what Alec Guinness got.
0: All right. So let's just say that Harrison Ford had that deal for the Force Awakens. Oh my goodness! So wait, there. So I'm just. Oh man. Oh man. I'm, that's okay. So let's. I, let's wait, wait. Let's, I'm, I'm trying to. I'm. I'm, I'm Listen, I'm I'm trying to put enough, the right amount of O's in my calculator, all right? This is very tense. So, it's a thousand million. So, three more O's. Damn. Okay. So, a quarter percent, a quarter of one percent. So, times 0.01 will get us one percent. Divided by four. five million bucks jackpot come in for six hours work he's getting paid almost a million bucks an hour (laughs) yeah i just
1: i wish we could figure because i think when you look at the box office for empire now it includes like the special edition and any re-releases and
0: stuff yeah, but I'm sure like Grandchild Guinness is getting a you know, couple of bunts shifted there. Oh, way. I'm
1: sure. Oh, I'm I'm positive about that.
0: And uh, we've got a photo of Irving Kirshner directing Alec Guinness and you know, Alec does have the face of someone in this photo that may be suffering from wretched eye trouble. <laughs> Doesn't um, this would be in the challenge? Empire Strikes Back teaser preview, hosted or narrated by an enthusiastic Alec Guinness. <laughs> it wouldn't have happened. I'm not Look that good th- an actor. <laughs> Look at all this nonsense. Uh this is a cool little one. September 12th, the Wookiee storybook is published. Written by Eleanor Erdhart and illustrated by Patricia Wayne, the children's book features Wookiee characters introduced in the Star Wars Holiday Special and includes allusions to recent American history. Anticipating Chewbacca's 200th birthday party, his father, Itchy, says it will be a bicentennial celebration, just like the ones they have on planets far, far away. After a three-year absence from Kashyyyk, Chewbacca reunites with his family in the Wookiee storybook. And then we've got the uh, the cover, very reminiscent of the Ewok storybooks that would um, hit the market in a couple years' time. But we've got some lovely really illustrated Wookies enjoying their time amongst the treehouses of Kashyyyk. And you've got to give it up. For uh, Ralph MacQuarie, he, he drew these Wookiee huts back in the day, and they have persisted. They have stayed true. He got it on the big screen in uh, Revenge of the Sith, but but even now, in uh, nineteen seventy nine, his uh, illustrations, like you know, like Alderaan or something or um, Corellia, we've seen different interpretations of what they would look like over the years. Kashyyyk it's remained pretty true.
1: It sure has. Hmm. They, they really stuck with that until we finally got to see it in a movie in Revenge of the Sith. That's very similar.
0: We used to know about the water.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They they changed that around a little bit. You can go there.
0: It's in Indonesia. Oh, really? Hmm.
1: That's cool. Yeah, someone uh, called in. Our buddy Dougie called in to Blue Harvest this weekend was talking about how i guess they filmed some of the crate stuff at the salt
0: flats in utah oh uh, yeah I, I i did hear that and i was, and like, I was like ooh huh. gotta, yeah got to get out there i um i am shocked by the amount of people huge star wars fans in la that haven't been out to the filming locations
1: uh, it sounds unimaginable to me i um when I was a kid, I wanted to go to Tunisia so bad. Like, that was the spot I wanted to go to. As soon as I found out that some of the the huts and stuff were still out there, like the Lars Homestead and even some of the sets from uh, Phantom Menace were up. Mm-hmm. And my dad, when I was in high school, got suckered into a timeshare with – not with, so, like, you know how most timeshares are, like, a single place you can go to this one place?
0: Yeah.
1: This is with the resort company, which meant you could go to any of their resorts once a year.
0: Um, sounds like a good deal.
1: It, I mean, my parents put uh, got a lot of use out of it, and we went on some really cool family vacations. But one of their resorts was in Tunisia. And I constantly bugged my dad, like... We got to do Tunisia. We got to do Tunisia. And and he'd be like, man, the flights are super expensive. I don't think we can do it. And then my sophomore year in college, my family was planning a vacation, and I couldn't go because of my job. And he calls me up one day, and he's like, well, we booked our vacation today. We're real sad you're not going to get to go. And I was like, oh, really? Where are you guys going this time? And he goes, well, we, we booked it for Tunisia. And, dude, I my heart sank and I I couldn't even respond. And he goes, Oh, I'm just kidding. We're going to Costa Rica. Oh
0: my God.
1: (laughs) Oh, he knew. And now I, I mean, I don't know what it's like currently, but for a while there, at least not the most advisable place to travel to. No,
0: no. Oh my God. I I wish this was on video. My mouth was agape at him saying he was going (laughs) to Tunisia. (laughs) I was, I was very shocked. Um, What do we got here? The Tatooine Sojourn. Very interesting. September 19th. In the syndicated Star Wars comic strip, Luke, C-3PO, and R2-D2 return to Tatooine from the first time since they left Ben Kenobi. Luke revisits the Mos Isley Cantina and Ben's home and destroys an Imperial facility before he leaves Tatooine at the end of the serial titled Tatooine Sojourn.
1: So I'm pretty sure, I'm I'm turning back a few pages, but wasn't there an issue of Marvel Comics before this where they went back to Tatooine? Didn't we talk about one? Yeah. No, it's a flashback to Tatooine. Ah, so it wasn't. Okay. It wasn't I a sejourn. Was yeah.
0: Don't get confused. The um, The black and white newspaper art on this, illustrated by Russ Manning, is uh, pretty sick. Yeah, it's really good. Hmm. Some sweet troopers. Uh, Hit us with September 24, holes.
1: Empire Photography is completed with an insert of Luke on Hoth and coverage in The Haunted Cave on Dagobah. Because Hamill had already completed his role and left the production, Luke is performed by Hamill's stand-in, Joe Gibson.
0: Hmm. Where's Joe now? I don't know. What do you know, Joe? Where you at? What are you doing? But um, I love how it's called the Haunted Cave.
1: That is cool. <clears throat> that was one of the, another one of those early internet things where people would take screenshots or stills from the movie and be like, "Do you see like there's like uh, pillars in the cave? It was it was like a temple or something at one point."
0: Oh, really? Is it?
1: Yeah, I think it's when, like, right when he crawls down into the cave, there is what looks like maybe some man-made structure to it. It's not just organic cave
0: wall. That's cool. The, um, I always found it, like, go into a cave. Good on you. Do it. Have some fun. Climbing down that hole. Not Brutal.
1: Yeah. no, and all those lizards and snakes crawling around. Oh.
0: Zero buys. Zero. Uh, oh, I've got some more also's on this page. So we'll run through up. those. Yeah, some pretty sweet ones. Uh, also in 1979, Sonic Controlled Land Speeder. Doing my Harrison Ford voice. Mm <laughs> hmm. Available only through JCPenney's Christmas catalog, Kenner's sonic controlled land speeder changes direction using an, a remote controlled shaped like R2. This was very strange because I, this is like a bigger sized vintage land speeder.
1: Right, so they can put all the electronics in it, right?
0: Yeah, and I feel like. These JCPenney exclusives are very hard to get or were very hard to get in Australia because we didn't have JCPenney. So in my recollection, like maybe pre-95 I saw one and didn't know. Actually, I have seen one because I remember being confused that there were different sizes. But I have like not seen one of these for like 25 years.
1: I have not seen because I'm in a lot of sort of like vintage Star Wars Facebook groups where people like trade and sell and stuff. And I can't remember seeing the landspeeder, the sand crawler I see occasionally pop up for sale. But right. The landspeeder seems like maybe it's a little more rare.
0: Yeah. And I think because the other one would have been so much cheaper without the, uh, the Sonic control. Right. But in, yeah, the same box, they've also got listed the Sandcrawler. Kenner's two-channel radio-controlled Sandcrawler weighs 1.1 kilos. Who cares? Operates from up to six meters and retails for about 30 bucks. Hors, you know what to do. <laughs>
1: oh, let me pull it up. You know, this thing... If they were to do a remote control sand crawler nowadays, uh, it would be one of those HazLab projects where people had to back it and stuff.
0: If they want to move a sand crawler, you got to get the Mandalorian on the side of it. Yes. And a nice egg.
1: <laughs> How do we not have teddy bears of the egg? How is there not, an a, like, a, a little itty-bitty set or something, right, with a few of the gray Jawas, the off-world Jawas, and a plush egg that you can take the top off of? Got a what, little plush oak inside.
0: Wouldn't the egg make a good, like, couch pillow? Yeah. With the little tentacles handing off and stuff? That egg thing is disgusting, by
1: the way. It Definitely. is. It grosses me out. <laughs> it reminds me of, like, a, a dog that goes out and rolls in the mud like after raining.
0: Yeah. But other stuff was in the mud as well. Right. Right. We're <laughs> not just talking
1: pure, pure soil.
0: Yeah. It um, was, it was a leaky, um, septic tank yeah. underneath the, the mud. Oh.
1: Uh, $106 and 60 cents. It's not bad. No, no. And that would be way more expensive today hmm. for a almost three pound, uh, radio controlled sand crawler.
0: I have to say the I'm a huge fan of the box photos of um, the toy in fantasy situations with other toys. hmm Huge fan of it. And I, I get it makes me sad when they don't do it. Like like, you know, during like the prequel years and stuff, it was all like art. Right. But I think you've you got to show this toy, and and this box they've they've done an exceptional job with the Sandcrawler. It's open up. There's uh, three Jawas. One of them's walking down the stairs. C three PO's up there with uh, the Gonk Droid, and then doing some Droid deals. Oh, that might be. Is that C three PO? Is that that's yeah, a de- that's the Death Star Droid up there?
1: Is it? Because I thought it was two C-3PO. No, I think it's the Nestar droid.
0: Because if you look at the the silver yep. on him compared to the, the C-3PO, it's quite sort of different. And then um, in some bargaining, you've got Luke Skywalker in Tatooine garb, and he's discussing R5-D4 with two other Jawas, while C-3PO and R2-D2 stand nearby. It is... Excellent. I got um,
1: so they, obviously the package of what I'm about to talk about is is meant to mirror this, but I got the vintage collection Luke Skywalker X-wing in the mail today. I've had it pre-ordered since Force Friday mm-hmm. uh, back last year, and it finally shipped. I, there was some kind of delay or something with it, and. The the box art, the photo on the box art with the X-Wing and Luke in his X-Wing gear and R2 and stuff made me so happy. I loved seeing that. Because, yeah. it's a, you know, it's a photo of the actual toy.
0: Yeah. And I love seeing, like, the newer toys in those situations as well. It's mm-hmm. it's very cool. Very cool. And uh, I tell you what's worse. Uh, yeah, probably worse than... Um, I'll ask you, than seeing the um, like art, is when they have it clear and you can see the actual toy.
1: I don't like that. It, unless you're doing that to showcase a figure, you know what I mean? Like a, a, a tiny little window to show like, hey, this vehicle comes with this figure. I don't like that.
0: I always found it more enticing to buy when, say, you've got that window. Like, so it's a box. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of what vehicles. Like, when they brought out those special edition toys, you had a box and it came with a bonus figure and the figure was in a window so you could see that. Right, that's what I mean. Yeah, but you can't see the actual toy and you're like, oh, I can see the figure. I'd I'd like to see the rest. Here's here's 50 bucks. I'm going to take this with me now.
1: So, you know, Hasbro has this whole initiative where over the next couple of years, or next few years, they want to completely eliminate uh, plastic. Sales. Sales? (laughs) Well, they're already (laughs) doing a pretty good job of that. Um, They want to eliminate plastic from their packaging. So I hope that results in more things like this.
0: Yeah, that is so weird, though. No plastic. Yeah. But I guess... um... Would like a planet. Yeah, for sure. This is a golden, also in 1979, public service announcement. A Star Wars-themed anti-drunk-driving public service announcement PSA is broadcast on television stations in association with the US Department of Transportation woo, and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. John Williams's classic cantina music plays while Star Wars Alien, while One Star Wars Alien helps another move away from a bar. The PSA's narrator intones, when friends drink too much, even in galaxies far, far away, friends don't let friends drive drunk.
1: You know, they also did like a Star Wars anti, anti-smoking ad as well, I believe.
0: Really? And yeah, like Aunt Beru's out the front of um, the <laughs> homestead coughing up. She puffs her ciggy. It's disgusting. Hey, um, I've got this one queued up as well. Oh my God, the preparation. I know. It's out of control. Uh, have you got it up on your screen? I do. Does it move when I do this? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's exciting. All right. I
1: can see the comments. Somebody was like, I find this so cute. It's like the second comment down.
0: Oh, okay. Tight. <laughs> it's, it's delightful. It sounds like something you'd write. Um, yeah. Here we go. Oh, look at him jamming. So we've got a recreated cantina bar here. With a lot of smoke. Yeah. Muftak has had a few too many. And then a Juro comes up, hugs him, and leads him away. Friends
2: don't let friends drive
0: And then... Of course,
1: Muftak. It it, sorry? I said, of course, Muftak yeah. would be the one that had
0: too much to drink. On the juice, yet again. Um, and then it shows the Falcon flying away into space. So I, I guess they got like Chewy or something to drop Muftak home. On another planet, yeah, he seems like the kind of guy that would help a guy out like that. He would. Well, those those furry friends have got to stick together. So uh, I'll put that in the uh, the notes as well. But very cool. I um, how thrilling it would have been to see that ad and to see alternate takes of a, a, a very like if you thought things were low budget in the uh, recreation of the cantina for the Star Wars holiday special. Wolf, hold my blue milk. <laughs>
1: dude they really got those costumes out of storage for that too
0: yeah and they even use like the faces that they like they ended up editing out of like special editions and stuff like that ghost yeah. head yeah the guy looks like he's got like he's auditioning for scream a scream prequel
1: is that terminal man
0: no that's a different one hmm. so um uh, but a very a great message Do not let your alien friends drink too much and drive home. Or humans, I guess. Whatever. Whoever you're hanging out with. Hawes, let's flip the page to page 82. Oh, my God. You're not going to like this. Go for
1: it. Yep. I I'm not going to like it. You're not going to like it in about two sentences. Oh, Christ. Luke and the droids return again to Tatooine in Marvel Comics' Star Wars number 31. Oh, God. cover date. <laughs> cover date January. <sighs> Luke visits the Lars homestead, reunites with Fixer and Cammy. Oh, Cammy. Oh, hard eyes Cammy. And also revisits the Moss Eisley Cantina. Guys. Apparently, he goes there more than Muftek. <laughs> he sure does. Apparently, for the first time since his departure with Ben Kenobi, the approval process between Lucasfilm and its licensees are still being worked out as situations in the Marvel story do not mess with the contemporary, contemporaneous storyline in the Star Wars comic strip.
0: God, I dropped, dodged a bullet with that one. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yes, if, um, if you're new to this, type of show I, I cannot stand it's October. Why are you putting January on it? Look at that do back though it also annoys me because like it seems like they're getting their homework in like, like five months in advance, which is
1: overachievers
0: not not how I operated, <laughs> not me either, but yes, right you are. The cover is epic with uh, Luke, R2, and C-3PO hiding under a rock ledge while two stormtroopers, one mounted on a dewback, like, above them, but the dewback sees them. So do you think he, like, rats them out? Like, where are they? This dewback. Are they bringing dewbacks in? Are, they, are these like? Are they already on? They, they they've got a garrison already on Tatooine, and they're they're riding backs Like, I, 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 what's the deal? Are, are backs like native to Tatooine? Because we see them sort of walk around, or are they just distributing them around the galaxy? We we get I, this from Jubakia and uh, here we go. We've got a delivery of Jubes. I think they're probably native. So we'll are these stormtroopers the like just just taming them, like 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 on the day, or they're here all the time.
1: So I think it's kind of like when you go to a touristy city and you can rent a Vespa or a uh, what are those other things? Those things people stand up on and ride around. They were big for a minute. Oh,
0: yeah. Gotcha. Um,
1: I think, you know, you go to your local do back tamer and you're like, hey, we're the Empire. Give us seven do backs. He's like, you're going to ruin my small business. And they're like, eh, sorry, we're the Empire.
0: We're going to need your ID and $20 deposit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Do you think um, you have to bring your dewback back, back fed?
1: Yes. And a little known fact, Tatooine is the only planet that they can charge as much for dewback feed as they want, long as it's marked somewhere very smallly on a little LCD screen.
0: Excellent. Excellent <laughs> reference. Um, this is cool. Pictured in Star Wars 31, the Imperial Troop Transport is based on the Kenner toy of the same name that is also released in 1979. And then it's got a picture of the Troop Transport with the bubble, the, the speech bubble in some sort of um, mechanical blurb or something all it means it's coming over the radio i guess right this is tag command unit three any success yet and um that imperial troop transport which kenner sort of made as some sort of alternate um you know they just need to get some toys out there so they invented this thing that may have been in star wars and of course now is in star wars Um, sometimes I, I get a little bit cynical about this recycling of stuff. Um, and, and, and sort of it being focused on too much, like, like, like old rejected Macquarie art and stuff, Mm -hmm. but seeing this Imperial troop transport, which was brought out in 1979, just rock up side of screen in the Mandalorian, I was thrilled
1: Yeah. Have you seen people – so you know they have um, one coming out, right? Yes, yes. And the packaging for it is Mm -hmm. Mandalorian-themed. It's in the vintage collection, so it looks like the old-school toys with an actual picture of the vehicle and things like that. Have you seen some people being like – this is one of the goofier things I've seen on Twitter being like – well, actually, it should say Star Wars Rebels because it showed up in Rebels before the Mandalorian.
0: Have you seen that? Sorry, I'm just working on my blank face. <laughs> it's, uh, it's so silly to me.
1: Mandalorian is the most recent thing it showed up in. No offense to Rebels, but it's got way more cultural cachet than Rebels. So a toy marked as something from the Mandalorian, to me, has more potential to sell than something that said Star Wars Rebels. All right.
0: I'm going to have to true fan the fandom. The gate is getting swung shut. I'm welding it shut with my vintage elusive originals lightsaber that I have made work that I bought in the early 90s because I'm such a true fan. None of this is true. Mm -hmm. But Star Wars toys have always updated the movie as they've come out. The Millennium right. Falcon was originally released in a Star mm-hmm. Wars box. It would then go on to be released in an Empire Strikes Back box. And then, yep. shock, a Return of the Jedi box.
1: Same thing with the figures. Exactly. You, know, you have people that collect, You know, let, let's say, that focus on Boba Fett figures. They want... A Boba Fett on a star Wars card back on a a empire card back on a return of the Jedi card back on a tri logo card back. Like this is star Wars history. Like this is what they've always done.
0: Now what's the tone of these complaints? They having some fun or are they like actually Mm -hmm. offended?
1: The one I saw was someone sort of going at yak face about it. And come on, man! Don't go after Yak Face. He's a valuable resource for Star don't Wars information. Attack the Yak!
0: What's he got? He didn't name the box. Yeah,
1: well, it was more like, why does, it, it, why does it say the Mandalorian? It, it showed up the, for the first time in Rebels, but they've already done a Rebels version. It wasn't in the vintage collection, but they put one out during Rebels' original run, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Why doesn't we, it say Star Wars Marvel Issue Thirty-One? that's
1: that's the real complaint
0: very silly i um i'm always fascinated with complaints that aren't they don't hold up right like their complaint is one plus one is three sort of thing mm-hmm. I, 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 I there's an example coming up that um i will bring up with much trepidation but I feel like I have to. <laughs> um, the Transporter's or illustrates the Imperial Assault on the Jawa Sandcrawler. That is so cool. Do you see that up in the top corner? Yep. So, there's this little... Um, also in
1: 1979.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the Troop Transport. Sorry, 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 sorry. Um... So, yeah, the, the also-in-79 box next to this one is for the Imperial Troop Transporter being released. And it's got the, uh, you know, the classic box that we all love with the uh, fantasy situation taking place. Um, what, 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 what's your take with um, on these box covers, Hawes? Do you like... Um, this one's just got a hand, the hand of God coming down, playing with um, pressing a button on it, making a noise. And just looking over to the Landspeeder and the Sandcrawler, both things, just a hand of God holding the remote. But some of these toy boxes have the kid. Like, if you look over at this Millennium Mm -hmm. Falcon box coming up, I always like just the hand. Because when I saw the kid's face, feelings of envy.
1: See, I... You know back in the day I probably would have had a very similar Reaction and feeling but now I kind of Like the ones that have the kids On it because you get to see that sick Like late 70s Early 80s fashion And haircuts Like it dates it so well It like puts a stamp on it as a Place in time so well that I actually kind of Enjoy it.
0: Agreed But I Still kind of hate them <laughs>
1: You sit there and wonder, like, did that
0: did that little bastard get to take that home after the shooting day? This is what I want to know about this kid. And we're, we're jumping forward to this Millennium Falcon box. Th- th- this is how it will be redeemed for me. Is how many times this kid, who's now an adult, has mentioned it in the past year.
1: Oh. I, if it was me, Steele, you
0: would hate me. You'd you change your name to Hawes Box Art.
1: Hawes <laughs> Box Art. <laughs> Perfect. It would just be the uh, cover image for my
0: podcast. I, I'm just going to rest for the next 15 minutes, read out some articles. <laughs>
1: okay, Star Wars annual number 1.
0: <laughs> oh my god, that was uh, I'm very happy with myself. But um so it's got this thing for the Imperial troop transport. Ken releases the Imperial troop transport which is modeled on the vehicle appears in the Rebel base sequence in Star Wars. Oh, hardly. Uh the toy includes an illustrated booklet that shows stormtroopers using the transporter as they search for the droids on Tatooine during the events of Star Wars, and you've got this little EU black and white picture of um the precise shots of the imperial stormtroopers they they're blowing up the um the the sandcrawler
1: i like th- i think that's neat can you imagine getting that toy back in the day and seeing that and being like oh that's what happened to the the jawas this thing rolled up and took care of them
0: this is how it went down they um the first time i ever saw this featured like this circumstance was there was that they brought out that Star Wars manga yes in um, possibly the 2000s I'm gonna go with and it was sort of um oh, what would you call that like a half a4 size um smaller little comic book black and white and it it, it featured the the Jawas getting I think it was at nighttime that the uh, stormtroopers cornered them. And and things went awry, but um, yeah, I, I, I um, I'm I'm this is so lame. I'm proud of the troop transport. He's stuck in there, and he got his reward, or or her. Um, it's hard to say. Um, I I haven't looked on that side of the toy, but um, like I was so stoked for it when um. It turned up in the Mandalorian. I was like, "Good for you!"
1: Yeah, that was that was so cool. And my prospect now is like, I, I would like to order the one from the Mandalorian, the toy. Mm-hmm. And then, how many stormtroopers do I have to get to fill that damn thing?
0: Couple. That new toy looks pretty sick. They did it. Does. That. But bring it out when the show comes out.
2: Oh my god.
1: Can I tell you, so, you know, I I talked about it on Blue Harvest a couple of weeks ago, how I was, like, maybe a little underwhelmed with the Star Wars Toy Fair offerings this year Mm -hmm. and how most of it had leaked out, if not all of it had leaked out beforehand. And that's sort of the nature of the game, right? But in the days since Toy Fair, Yak Face has had so many reveals Of stuff that's coming that they didn't show off and I'm just like I can't understand like they have some pretty cool stuff coming and it was nowhere to be seen at Toy Fair it's very puzzling and I realized like I watched a good bit of the Hasbro live stream and they were covering a lot of different products you know they were bringing G.I. Joe back so they had limited time but I still think you could have found a way to show off some more stuff. Stuff, by the way, that they quote-unquote revealed and in some cases was already hitting the shelves. Like the 40th anniversary Empire Strikes Back Black Series stuff was already showing up on shelves. Yeah, And this was like, like the quote-unquote reveal for that stuff.
0: Very odd. Very odd. Star Wars annual number one. Marvel Comics releases the first Star Wars annual written by Chris Claremont and the story features Luke Skywalker and Princess Leia traveling to the planet Tyran and meeting winged humanoid natives. Oh, God. The Skytree. According to the Skytree, Obi-Wan Kenobi and two of his Jedi students visited Tyran during the Clone Wars. One student... Was Darth Vader. Oh, God. And the other carried the lightsaber <laughs> that Luke now possesses.
1: Fascinating, right?
0: Fascinating.
1: It's the guys from the latest episode of Clone Wars. Like the show. Is it? Not really. Ah. But aren't they like... They fly around, right? Am I mistaken in that?
0: Yeah, they no. fly. Yeah, they fly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. yeah. they, they called them on the beacon. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm confused because I let it play... Onto the next... Like onto a random episode or something. And so I've seen... I, I started watching this one with R2-D2 and C3PO stuck on a planet or something. So I'm, I'm confused about what aliens are in what.
1: Is that the one with um, Colonel Meiber
0: Gascon? I don't think oh. so. I didn't see mm. him. I was like in and out of the room. So, but I was very confused. Anyway, let's leave that. My confusion about Disney Plus. The cover is um, pretty sick with... We've got Luke Skywalker, he's got his back to us, lightsaber ignited as um, three of these bat-woof type people are uh, coming at him. And they did the wise thing by having Luke with his back to the uh, artist. Yeah. In that (coughs) hard to mess up a face when it's just hair. Yeah, and it's a
1: very Prince Adam hair. It's very Masters of the Universe's cover. It is. It is.
0: Look at that. Upper thighs on this dude.
1: Yeah, he's been on the elliptical. Stairmaster. Damn. Hit us with a bit of November. Huge,
0: huge news.
1: November. The Empire Strikes Back theatrical advanced one sheet is distributed to U.S. theaters. The poster is designed by Tony Synergier and David... Rinerick, who also developed the titling Empire, the tilting Empire logo.
0: Ooh, hats off to them. That's a good poster. That's a good logo. hmm I don't even know how they designed logos back then. So hard. Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't either. But they got them. Um, and it says, In little text, the Empire advanced posters image is used in Japan, Italy, and Australia. And it's that classic um, black Starfield poster with a sort of shimmering Darth Vader mask with uh, Mm -hmm. the Star Wars saga continues coming to your galaxy this summer.
1: (laughs) I like how many times George Lucas's name is on the post. Well, it's only
0: twice, but. Could have got on there a few more times, I reckon. He could have. Could have gotten it on there. So um, I I was talking about these, you know, anger about Star Wars things that are like not precedents. And um, when that um, The Last Jedi teaser poster came out and it had Kylo Ren, Rey and Luke Skywalker, someone got... bafflingly upset with me for liking it because it was racist because the three main heroes like when are the three main heroes not been on the poster they were left off because <laughs> they're not white and i explained it's a teaser poster that's not like the, the the precedent that you're citing isn't there.
1: Oh, I really love that poster too.
0: And in fact, on the teaser posters, the three main heroes have never been on it.
1: Yeah, I think you're right, buddy.
0: Oh no no no, don't think. No.
1: Yeah, I'm sitting here trying... So... So I have got Star Wars, right?
0: Right, Star Wars. Um, that was just uh, the logo. Mm-hmm. But even on the second poster, it was just Luke and Leia. Uh-huh. Darth Vader. Empire, Darth Vader's head. Return of the Jedi, George Lucas's hands.
1: Holding the lightsaber, mm-hmm. right? Phantom Menace, young Anakin with the shadow of Darth Vader behind him. Attack of the Clones is Anakin and Padme back-to-back. Back, Hell yeah. Right? Revenge of the Sith is Anakin with his cape flowing behind him, forming Darth Vader.
0: Didn't really like that one. To be, I thought it was too forced.
1: It was too forced, and it doesn't look nat Like, it's not a natural... I, I can see what they're going for. They were going for something kind of like the... Phantom Menace poster, but it just didn't work out. It looks a little too like Deviant arty or something.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: Uh, Force Awakens teaser poster was the... Would you say that would be the Drew Struzan poster that they gave out at Comic-Con? Yes. Okay. That is a weird sort of like mishmash of different imagery that doesn't really line up with the movie. Like get a little Han... Get some Ray Finn with the lightsaber. Having a little bit of a hard time remembering that one clearly.
0: It was an odd <laughs> one. I'm not sure. Was there another one? Well, for all three Oh, they uh, had those logos, yeah. Yeah. That was the one that was in the was cinemas. Different. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um and then the Last Jedi is that poster. And then the Rise of Skywalker was.
1: I think it might have just been the logo. I don't know that they did one before they started doing the actual. They did so many posters. Oh, did they what? For Rise of Skywalker. And then uh, the Rogue One teaser poster was just the right. Death Star over Scarif, right? Doesn't have any characters.
0: But then there was that one where they were running on the beach.
1: Yeah, my favorite, and this might be considered a teaser poster, is the one that's like the rebel helmet laying in the sta- sand.
0: I think that was like an IMAX poster or something.
1: Oh, okay. Mm. Yeah, it gets harder to figure out in the modern era because they do so many different versions for the different Oh, no, the teaser poster for Rise of Skywalker was the one with the fucking uh, b- 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 Palpatine hot toy in the background with Rey and Kylo fighting.
0: Ah, oh, on the edge of the... um The cliff. Yes. Or the Death Star ruins, yeah. Okay. I was getting confused because... Is that scene also in the main poster as well? There were so many posters. That, <laughs> and, yep. and, 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 and they were very good. Yeah, they did some good posters for Rise of Skywalker. Hell yeah. Um, What about John Williams begins composing in uh, (laughs) November? The 108-minute musical score for Empire. Oh, John Williams begins composing the 108-minute score for Empire. Darth Vader's more significant role inspires William to write a grand imperial march for the villain's theme. Woo! The score is recorded with the London Sympathy, Sympathy, (laughs) Symphony Orchestra in England over the course of two weeks. So old Johnny W getting his little magic wand out and just waving it around. So he looks important yet again. But
1: meanwhile, writing one of the jammiest jams of Star Wars
0: jams. Peanut butter and jam. hmm very good um, what else you got on the uh, towards the end of 79 horse what's striking your fancy
1: I have art indeed the art of Star Wars is published written by Carol Titleman. the book features concept and production art by McQuarrie Johnston Molo and others it also features the complete script of the film a, modif- a modified version of Lucas's fourth draft that incorporates revisions to the screenplay during production the book will be reprinted many times and inspires a generation of artists, many of whom will later join the film industry.
0: This is a sweet publication. It is. Don't you think how it's got edited by Carol Titleman? That's just like a placeholder name? And they're, wa- <laughs> they're waiting to get the author's real name? <laughs> Maybe. Titleman. Man. Um, these art of books are sick and... I remember being a little kid and like, hey, this thing's got the whole movie in it. Do they know this is out? Like it just seemed like a bootleg (laughs) of the movie sort of. Dude, I
1: I just briefly looked at something that I have to read. Okay? This is another also. This is crazy. U.S. Lieutenant Colonel Jim Channon writes a confidential paper for top Pentagon... Pentagon brass called Evolutionary Tactics, a field manual for the 1st Earth Battalion. Throughout its hand-illustrated pages are unorthodox field tactics designed to transform a soldier into a spiritually guided warrior monk. The manual resonates well enough in post-Vietnam military command to warrant further exploration exploration into paranormal abilities including something identified as Project Jedi (laughs) (laughs) that is crazy Project Jedi interesting
0: uh December. Alan J- Alan Ladd Jr. leaves his position at Fox after Fox executives criticise. Oh, this is infuriating. Yes. <sighs> Alan Ladd Jr. leaves his position at Fox after Fox executives criticise him for the deal which they had approved, granting Star Wars sequel and licensing rights to Lucasfilm. Ladd subsequently founds a new production house, The Ladd Company. So, oh, so Alan Ladd Jr., who, like, believed in Star Wars and, like, made sure Lucas could finish it off, get him extra cash, like, green-lighted it all. No one else wanted to do it. He brings... 20th Century Fox, it's like biggest hit against what everyone else wanted. And then when it's the best thing ever, it's like, oh, I should have got a better deal on this thing that we didn't want. Mm Mm-hmm. Dicks. (laughs) Total dicks. Oh. It's just not right.
1: Yeah. And he is like such an important figure in the formation of Star Wars. Without Alan Land Jr., we probably don't get Star Wars as we know it today.
0: I haven't seen it. I'm not sure what's going on with it. But um the the dark man, Dutch Hollywood behind um Stephen Stanton. Mm hmm. His uh, um, amazingly fascinating and hilarious manager, Dutch Hollywood. The best dude. The best. He was spearheading a documentary about Alan Ladd Jr. That, that did have some screenings, but I, I don't know if it's still working on distribution. Oh, I would love to see that. Hmm. I might... uh. I drop him a text and, and and see what's going on with that uh, that documentary because I I think he was working with like Alan Ladd's daughter and um yeah and it was like it, it it looked to be done but it might be that thing where they're just looking to sell it or something right. But I will find out. New <laughs> Enterprise, December 7th. Star Trek The Motion Picture is released, directed by Robert Wise, story by Alan Dean Foster, and screenplay by Harold Livingston, and an uncredited Gene Roddenberry. Alan Dean Foster, he um wrote Splinter of the Mind's Eye.
1: He did, and the original
0: novelization. And didn't he do the Force Awakens novelization as well? He did. Interesting. They should have um <laughs> I was gonna say this should be it would be fun, but it wouldn't. They just get like several authors to do a novelization.
1: <laughs> in different styles.
0: Yeah, and they just interpret it the way they do and um you know, and then we can get upset about all their interpretations.
1: Oh man, dude, screen rant has to stay in business somehow.
0: Dude. They would be so stoked. Um, John. Okay, it reunites the cast of Star Trek TV series. Foretells the fate of a Voyager space probe. John Dykstra is the special photographic effects supervisor at his own effects company, Apogee. So, how did you say that? Oh, Apogee. Apogee, okay. Which had created effects for Battlestar Galactica as well. Of course, he uh, had a big falling out with George Lucas after he went and worked on Battlestar. Um, I don't really remember much from this Star Trek motion picture.
1: I remember it being boring. The first one being very boring. That's about the only recollection I have of it.
0: Yeah, I remember it. And I think when you're like... You know when you're trying to milk Star Wars out of something else? Uh-huh. And, it, and it, the juice just ain't there. Yep. You can't juice a banana horse. How do you get banana juice then? There's no such thing as banana juice.
1: They're not. So when I go and get like a, a juice at the store that's like orange and banana or pineapple and banana mean to tell me that's just some chemical that tastes like bananas?
0: No. Do they have banana flavored juice? Like you can get a smoothie.
1: Right, which is just rolled up banana, smashed. We're going to find this out. Banana juice yeah. Amazon. <laughs> banana juice concentrate.
0: Um, I don't know how that, where is this juice coming from?
1: I don't know. I'm a little dubious now. Ingredients. Water, banana puree concentrate, so whirled up banana, natural flavor, citric acid, and sugar. So to me, it sounds like banana juice is just someone whirling up some banana and mixing it with a bunch of water and sugar.
0: You're watering it down. Yeah. I want some straight uncut banana. I never
1: considered this. Banana juice. It's a myth.
0: (laughs) It's like Luke Skywalker. Banana juice. I thought it was a myth. That line, that's what did it for me.
1: It made me tear up the first time I saw The Force Awakens.
0: Well, because I got to see her say that
1: right in that a, special event.
0: Yeah. So I went into it just like like Ray. So like when they showed Ray like climbing when you first see her. Mhm. I'm like she's already like that's my character.
1: Right. Right. And then oh, the X-Wing helmet bit where she's eating dinner and puts her little X-Wing helmet on. Oh my goodness.
0: And then she got to actually do it, which is yeah. um a pretty cool thing. Do you think? Do you think she should have got into a um a suit?
1: Yeah, I I, I always because like leading into the rise of Skywalker, one of the things I wanted, like one of those little like silly things, was to see Ray fly an X wing, which I got, but it would have been cool if she had donned the whole flight suit gear and everything along with it.
0: Hmm. Who would have known it would have been Casual Fridays, right? December 21st, The Black Hole, a Walt Disney production, is released. Directed by Gary Nelson, Disney's first PG-rated movie features the longest computer graphic sequence thus far and many matte paintings by Harrison Ellenshaw. A Star Wars veteran, Ellenshaw would join Empire's production immediately after completing his work on The Black Hole. Now, this poster that they've featured is, seems to be like one of those British, they might call them quad posters, but it's like mm-hmm. a, it's like the different ratio. So it's like TV shaped. Right. Um, Like a poster on its side. And how it's got the black hole with that swishy thing over the computer graphics, and then the little, like the credits on the side, it looks like a Super Nintendo cartridge box.
1: It does. Or like a, Maybe a vinyl?
0: Yeah, well, the art is very, um... This is going to be some sweet, some sweet guitar licks, dude. Yeah, I'd buy that album. You would, um... It does look like an album that someone's older brother would have in their room that smells funny.
1: Yeah, you Man, why does it smell like a skunk in Dave's room? It's <laughs> always listening to that Black Hole album.
0: Oh man, I remember when I put that together where that smell was coming from.
2: It's <laughs> like, oh, that's what He's he was ha-
0: doing up there. He's having a good time. <laughs> wow. Um. Now, the Black Hole Horse is on Disney Plus. Yeah, and I still haven't seen it. Um. I've got to. I've just got to wait till I can really sit down and enjoy it. I have yeah. got some some pretty sweet memories I believe this is the movie where an ig88 type droid we must have talked about this before horse is walking along a gantry in a ship and our heroes are underneath seeing the footsteps and, and it always sort of you know when you're a little kid it sort of in fused with my memory of ig88 right um but i do remember it being super dope so i feel like i've just got to sit down one night and really really enjoy it we should do that
1: yeah we'll check it out sometime
2: hmm.
0: i've never seen it ever so
1: i'll be interested to check it out Alrighty, righty whores Ooh,
0: this is a big also We are going to wrap it up for this episode with our also's in 1979. I will start with the... I will take the lesser item. We're we're talking about product releases. Plus, plush Jawa. Manufactured by Regal, this plush Jawa is sold only in Canada. Squeeze his left hand... And he squeaks. That's a good. That's a good product. That is just a dope use of the license. So it is sort of like a. It looks like a larger sized. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm going to give it eight to ten inches itty bitty style um, plush Jawa. Um, it's so sick, and it is heartbreaking. That you know we don't like. I'd love to see like just prototypes of like we did the first twelve characters, mm-hmm. to see what they came up with. I always loved like the plush interpretations of um of, of the characters, sort of because in that concept screen to collectible whores, they had some Japanese sort of you know squished down Japanified uh-huh. uh huh toys and i was just like oh i I just want them and and you know what
1: i I always wanted that never got made was the star tots
0: yeah that's yes 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 i um have you ever got one of those star tots so star tots were sort of um you know sort of like beanie baby star wars plushies that uh, oh no 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 they they were the plastic ones yeah
1: yeah they were more like your play school like jublo sort of thing yeah
0: yeah and, yeah, and they had the little X-Wing and the little, like, um, land speeder they would sit in. Mm-hmm. And the uh, the collectors of Star Wars um, that run the Star Wars Celebration Collectors track, um, you know, Gus Lopez and co, they um, fan fund these giveaway little medallion star tots each celebration. So it's sort of on this plastic... Um, backing cards sort of like a vintage figure and then you get a um you know it's sort of like you know pays homage to the Kenner packaging and then where an action figure would be there'd be this sort of medallion star top like a you know a badge or a pin without the the pinness but i have got one my friend from um england the ginger prince he um he's just a great dude he used to do um sort of english um or uk based collecting reports for star wars action news a podcast that sort of doesn't put out much stuff anymore but um i sort of just became friends with him because i was a fan of that podcast and i like he was like a dude that like when i met him at celebration i think in london i was like fanning out <laughs> i was like oh man i love you on the podcast so good and like it like it really sort of Like, like, it influenced my style. It was really cool and sort of that stuff. Because he used to do these recaps of him going to fairs and stuff. And I thought it was really cool. Um, But I don't know if it was Orlando celebration, but they had one of the characters was a Luke Jedi. Oh. And at the start, you can listen to this on, like, if you go back to my blog pods of um, covering the celebration. I think at the start of celebration, I see him and I'm just like, oh, yeah, I'd love to get to that to get one of these Luke Jedi, you know, I just love that one. And, um, on the last day he found me with a couple of hours to go and, um, yeah, gifted me a Luke Jedi. And, oh, that's awesome. Just cause he knew how much I was, um, you know, how much I'd appreciate it. So it's, it's really sweet. And, um, also fits into my collecting OCD. Just get one. Perfect. The one that's special to me. Oh, this OCD weighs me down. Hawes, take us out with our final (laughs) listing of 1979. Our final listing of the 70s.
1: And how appropriate is it that it is perhaps the greatest action figure vehicle ever created? The Millennium Falcon toy. Kenner releases its highly anticipated Millennium Falcon spaceship, which is designed to accommodate Star Wars... 9.5-centimeter, three-and-one-quarter action figures. Two key Kenner employees who work on the toy are Jack Farah, who does the product development, and Mark Boudreaux, who figures out the Falcon's scale, chooses the play features, and handcrafts a rough model for Kenner management. The 23-inch-long Falcon features battle alert sounds, an opening cockpit, folding entrance ramp, swiveling radar dish, laser gun with swiveling seat, game table, secret floor panel to cover a smuggling compartment, and a remote force ball for lightsaber practice. Good luck keeping that. Yeah. It is released in 1979 for $24.77, which roughly translates in today's dollars to $88.02. Just a masterpiece. I, I think it's the greatest vehicle ever created.
0: Staggering. And I've been fortunate enough to interview Mark Budo. I know. At um, Comic Con. And you couldn't ask for a better guy to design the Millennium Falcon. Not because he did an amazing job, which he did. But his enthusiasm... And his yeah. passion for his Millennium. He's he in as it you know stands, he's he's designed every Millennium Falcon for Hasbro or Canada, yep. which is pretty sick. But um just like talk about a product standing the test of time. Like it's still dope. Yes. And you know, they they brought out that, that big Millennium Falcon. That is my – that is my holy grail. Nice. And it is amazing. It is. But as far as playability, like a little kid probably couldn't lift it up and fly it around.
1: No, no. It is It is a display piece, you know. You set it up and you display it. You're not carrying it around the house making spaceship noises and stuff. Maybe the first day you get it in, but past that. The the original Falcon and the Power of the Force 2 Falcon from, like, 95 are the perfect scale
0: to play with. And it's out of scale. The cockpit's way too big. Mm-hmm. But I'm just looking at it, and I'm just like, I wouldn't want you any other way.
1: Uh, it's beautiful. so great.
0: Sometimes it shows up on book
1: covers for some reason.
0: I know. I love it. (laughs) Love it. Um, Did you have this as a youth, Horst Art?
1: I did not. My first Millennium Falcon was The Power of the Force 2 Falcon.
0: I never had one as a child. (laughs) I didn't even think I saw one. Like, I would have sold the box. Right. And just stared at it in the toy store. I used to love. Is that what all kids do? Did like we would go to the um, the bigger city, the capital city, if you were Frankston, um, and they had department stores. And my mum used to always tell her the route I was going on. <laughs> so I'd start. I'm at the car park and then I'll go to Toy World. And then I'll go to Toy Mart or something. And then I'll go to um, Fletcher Jones. I'll go to David Jones. Then I'll end up, I'll meet you at Meijer. Oh, actually, there was another toy shop in Frankston. I can't know what that was called. But that was where I first ever saw Star Wars. Like any existence of Star Wars. It was in that shop. So i would go there. And then I think I'd meet mum in the Maya department store toy section. And I'd have like a 90 minutes to make this path. And I wasn't allowed to go ...into any other places. Do you know what I mean? hmm I do remember... ...being kind of disgusted with adults. <laughs> because I had to make the best use of my 90 minutes. So, in between toy shops or toy departments... ...my mode of transport was sprinting. <laughs> and I remember it's like... Oh, why? Why are all these adults just walking? Are they in no hurry? Like they're wasting time. I didn't get it. But um, is that what kids do? like? Because I would just go into the shop, and I would just pick up each toy and just study the front, the back. Yeah. Look at what weapon it came with. Um, I was. I think I'm past the, um, I can't be uh, getting in trouble for this anymore, but if I was feeling sly, I would open up the boxed toys and look for catalogs. Nice. (coughs) Nice. I may have accidentally taken a catalog home.
1: hmm you know, you just were you're checking it out and then oh, you just happened to yeah, you know. You were in such a hurry to get to the next store, you just walked out with it. It happens.
0: But sometimes I don't know how. I guess they just got sent them promotionally. I remember in Maya, they would sometimes have the catalogs that you could grab. Oh. And they there are these little catalogs. I've actually got is this a reproduction? I oh, know this is an original one. I've got one on my desk for some reason. Um, it's Empire Strikes Back. And I guess it's like a postcard sized booklet. Uh huh. And um, on the cover, we've got Luke and Yoda in um, the cave. And Yoda is giving Luke a really weird look. Like he's. He looks so real. I've got to turn the camera on just so you can see this horse. Wait. There. Okay. Look at the look he's giving Luke.
1: Uh, You've got to stop sharing your screen because all I can see is your Twitter. Oh,
0: okay. Oh, how's my Twitter going?
1: Uh, it looks pretty good. I see a, a GIF of uh, Senator Palpatine or Chancellor Palpatine looped over and over. <laughs> it's a good tweet um stop sharing okay there oh move it over a little so i can see whoa whoa bad day on set yoda how real does he look though he does look real it looks like a person in makeup
0: that's the realest he's ever looked (laughs) yeah
1: you what's funny is your your drawing of luke's robot hand looks like it's just pointing at your head
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, Hawks, not only does this f- catalog feature maybe the greatest photo of Yoda ever, he looks so. He's just like, the look on his face is like, I'm sick of you. <laughs> Shut up. But, um, so you open it up, and like, how could I resist? Do you know what I mean? Right. Like this, this little booklet. Because I was big on just staring at product photos of toys. Like, I could just stare at them all day and just dream of what i do. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. So, you open it up, and you've got um, the Empire Strikes Back product line up, the first 41 figures in a bizarre order. But the new figures that they're entering... You've got um, ATST driver. No, a AT driver.
1: Great figure.
0: Two one B medical droid. Great figure. Han Solo Bespin. Rebel commander. Hoth rebel commander. Moustached. Mm-hmm. Uh, Imperial commander or something. Imperial commander. Yes. Uh, Princess Leia Bespin. One of the best costumes ever. Great figure. Lobot. One of the best sleeves ever. Dengar, one of the best headscarves ever Ugnaught, one of the best smocks ever (laughs) And then the introduction of the Jedi Master Yoda With easily the best orange or brown snake ever Uh,
1: And that tiny little robe with his little belt And his little cane Oh, so good
0: I loved him when I was little because he came with all that stuff. He just seemed yeah. like, I remember when kids would have a Yoda in the play, it was just like, oh my God, he does so much. He's got,
2: ah, oh.
1: And it's all so tiny because the figure's so tiny.
0: That's a, that's a legendary figure. That is one of the best. It, absolutely. Oh, so good. Um, then opening it up, you've got, oh, this is very cool. You've got what looks like, whores, a prototype Adat. Check that out. That's
1: definitely not the final version. It's smoother. Oh,
0: look at the mini rig. See the
1: mini rig down in the corner? Yeah, buddy. I had that. I had yeah, that that's what
0: I had. I was all over the mini rigs. But yeah, you've got the prototype Adat, and you've got some Dagobah Hut. So, so no wonder this was a hot ticket. Finding its way into my pocket.
1: <laughs> Dude, I hope that's the one you actually lifted out of the store. No, it was not. It belongs I, in a museum. Yes, yes.
0: Um, oh, and it's got like, oh, we'll talk about all this later on when it comes out, but the Star Destroyer playset, which is just a, a space office, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> all right, whores. That is the end of uh, the 70s and this podcast. What a uh, a delightful time, buddy. Tell uh, the good people. Um, so this is on both our uh, sort of normal iTunes feeds. And normally, what are we up to? Episode 12? Yep. So there is 11 other episodes of um, equal length and fun of us going through all this that is available for uh, just three bucks for the month on either of our uh, Patreons. Tell everyone about yours, buddy.
1: Uh, you can find me uh, on Blue, at Blue Harvest Pod on Twitter. That's where I do most of my social media stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, every Saturday on Blue Harvest with my buddy Will. He is normally very even-keeled and friendly. And, uh, yeah, we got a Patreon where we do all kinds of bonus shows. Not just this one. We got a whole bunch of different ones.
0: Now, I'm here with my pitch with my little boy Harrison... Okay. You know, I, I don't want to say who needs the money more, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Harry, do you want to... Can you say something? Say mama? This is the most behaved he's ever been in his life, is when <laughs> I actually want him to say something. Are you a cutie? Have you got any words? Nah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, you can check out the uh, Steel Wars Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Steel Wars. I'm now getting tackled. I now have <laughs> don't have headphones on. Um and uh, it's patreon.com forward slash steel wars. You can listen to the uh, aforementioned Robo Report, the uh, the legendary tale. And um but but double dip. Be like Maria who uh, goes for both patrons and gets to enjoy both our um, our weekly bonus contents. Am I right, horse or am I yeah. really right? You're really right. All righty, buddy. Well, thank you guys so much. I've got to go be a parent, and uh, may that force be with you. See ya, everybody.